0: I started at First Alliance Church January 2011. That means that I am starting into my seventh January here in Erie, Pennsylvania. Um, If you remember, it wasn't too long after I was here before there was a Super Bowl. And the Pittsburgh Steelers went up against the Green Bay Packers in that Super Bowl. I'm not going to say anything else about that. Most of us want to, most of y'all want to forget that, but, but that was a glorious time for me. Um, y- yesterday, the NFL playoffs started, and believe it or not, the Steelers and the Packers are still both alive. Now, they may not be at the end of this day, but right now they're still both in. Wouldn't it be just a hoot if in the su- next Super Bowl in a couple of weeks, you've got the Packers going against the Steelers? That would be fun, wouldn't it? That'd be wild. But, but whoever is in it, certainly the Super Bowl is <clears throat> super. I mean, it has become an unofficial U.S. holiday, hasn't it? You, th- you think this through. Um, all over the country, actually ends up being all over portions of the world anyways, family and friends gather to eat and hang out and watch the game. Uh, now, now, the NFL's a little bit different than any other North American sport. For example, baseball, there are 162 games, but in the NFL, there's only 16. So that means every game is an event. I don't know if you, you go to any of these, they've got the grills out in the parking lot, and all these folk are sauced up before the game even starts. And it's, they just, it's just an event. Now if you normally go to a game, you probably aren't the Super Bowl probably isn't part of your itinerary because tickets start for that about 800 bucks a pop. Uh, But don't worry, because you can watch it on television. The Super Bowl has become one of the most watched uh, programs in the history of television. Uh, In the last five years, over 100 million people have tuned in for each of the games. And you know, if you've watched the Super Bowl, that a lot of folk don't really care about the game. They're there because of the commercials, right? I mean, how many... How many programs are there on TV where people want to forget the program they want to watch the commercials, and the, the the marketing people and they have really worked hard to make those commercials so incredibly entertaining they'll make you cry or make you laugh or or whatever else, and they should because last year's Super Bowl a thirty second uh, ad was going for four point five million dollars. Uh, the, the, Super Bowl, certainly, halftime. I mean, everything about it puts it in an extravagant category uh, like nothing else, like the Olympics. It's, it's, It's incredible. Now, if you play in the Super Bowl... And especially if you win in the Super Bowl, I mean, fame and fortune, right? I mean, it's, it's the, the Super Bowl. From, from the time you were in Pop Warner, you know, in junior high, in high school, in, in college, even the guys in the NFL, what's the one thing they're shooting for? The Super Bowl. You got to go and you got to win. Many of the, the professional folk will never end up there. But if you're there, I mean, the Super Bowl is like the creme de la creme. You know, it's a magnus opus. It's, it's the ultimate destination. And if you win this thing right you got endorsement deals and you got late night interviews and you're going to the white house to meet the most popular leader in the most powerful nation in the world i mean it's there are parades and rings and it's just it doesn't get any better than the super bowl but you got a question you have to ask is 50,000 years from now will anybody really know or care Will it have made any difference at all? You know, it's like there's all the best of the best. Uh, and you can take this over lots of different uh, industries are, are building their castles and they're building their empires and they're building their dynasties and their superstructures and, and uh, people are cheering them on and the paparazzi is covering it all for us. And, 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 but what they don't know is it's low tide and one day everything's going to be washed away and everything they've given their life for and everything that they lived for is, 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 is gone. Now, here's, here's good news, though. According to the scripture, you and I and you know, us, we can do something in 2017 that is immeasurably greater than winning a silly football game. This this year, 2017, you and me, we, we can do something that, you know, 50,000 years from now, it will still be talked about. And we'll have made a difference 50,000 years from now. Uh, Jesus, not interested in, in wasting our time, when he's getting ready to leave, he tells us what it is. He looks at his, his disciples and he says, go into all the world and make disciples. Go. Now he's not talking to, to uh, pastors and missionaries. He's talking to plain ordinary fishermen type folk. He's talking to blue collar. He's talking to white collar. He's talking to, to us. And he says, this is what you need to do for the rest of your life to make a difference. Go and make disciples. And so we try to, we want to take that seriously here. And so we have kind of personalized. What Jesus said for us. And so our vision is transforming Erie by introducing people to a transformational relationship with Jesus. We can put that up on the screen. And I want you to look at that for just a second. Because our goal is to we transform, we believe that we're not here by accident that you might think you came here because of a job or whatever else. And I think in the sovereignty of God, we are here by God's doing. And so this is our mission field. And we want to transform Erie not by uh, bringing more economic stimulus into the area, which is probably a good plan, but that's not what we're about. We want to transform Erie not by um, um, more social agencies. Probably a good plan. That's, That's not what we're about. We want to transform Erie... By introducing people to a transformational relationship with Jesus, we don't want to transform Erie by getting people who don't go to church getting to come to church. We don't want to transform Erie by taking mean people and making them nice. We don't want to transform Erie by taking greedy folk and, and making them generous. That's not. The, we want to transform Erie by introducing. You see, you see, watch, look at the words. It's important because we can't control anybody, and we don't want to make somebody or manipulate people to do. No, but but I I believe. That there are hundreds of thousands of people in our area who've never been introduced to Jesus. They've heard about Jesus, oh yeah, yeah. But they've never been introduced to him as one whom they can have a transforming relationship. It's transformational relationship. We don't just want a bunch of names on cards. We want folk who are experiencing life change. That's what that's what it means to make disciples. That's what we want to be. Now, this year, 2017, a lot of stuff on the plate, right? We're, we're going to have a busy year. We just, we've, we're just we here. We're going to be having services, and we're we'll going to be offering communion, and we've got all kinds of programming for kids, and programming for teens, and programming. It's mean, interesting. We new program we're starting for seniors. We we'll, won't we'll talk about the right now. I'm pumped about this, though. All kinds of things we're going to be doing this year. We're going to marry, and we're going to bury, and we're going to pray, and we're going to counsel, and we're going to do all kinds of cool stuff. But, but please, notice what Jesus said. If we do all this stuff, but we don't make disciples, we failed. And this year, if we do all of our stuff, and we do it frugally, and we do it in a way that is economically and financially squeaky clean, you know, we end up in the black, which is always a good thing, and we get it all accomplished just right, but we haven't made disciples. We failed. We've just failed. And so you say, well, uh, okay, what's our strategy? What are we going to do here? Well, I'm glad you asked, good question. Now, here's our strategy. Um, I believe like begets like. So in order to make disciples, our strategy is by being disciples. I I, I believe that if there's somebody who's full orbed, 100% in, completely there, you know what, they cannot not make disciples. They will. They'll find a way to do it. And so here's our strategy for us to, to be uh, the disciples that he wants us to be. And so here's the question, are you a disciple? And you might say, well, um, I'm a Christian, which is, oh, that's a good thing, good, good thing, good thing. But we're reminded that Jesus never called his, his followers Christians. He never did. He called them disciples mostly. You say, "Well, um, I prayed that prayer that one time, and I raised my hand, and I came forward, and I signed the card. All good things, and I'm not denigrating any of that because it can be a key cog in the in the, the journey. But keep in mind, Jesus doesn't call us the brotherhood of the folk with the raised hand, right? He calls his people disciples, which means followers. And so, here's this is not this is not, this is not rocket science, right?" You want to know if you're a disciple? If you're a follower of Jesus? Here's the question. Are you following Jesus? Because if you're not following Jesus, whatever else you may be, you're not a follower of Jesus, right? Uh, Real profound this morning. If, if If you're not following Christ, I don't care if you go to the church, I don't care what you read, I don't care whatever. If you don't follow Jesus, you're not one of his followers. Simple enough. Now, what we want to do is we want to say okay well, well what does this disciple really look like and here's where it starts the gospels are great Matthew Mark Luke and John we just have to keep this in mind as we read that we are post cross and so and so uh, being a disciple starts starts with this understanding that Jesus is God and he left heaven he became as a man he came with one purpose to die on the cross in my place, because I was supposed to be there, he died to pay the penalty for my sins so that I, the thing that separates God and I can be restored, and when I recognize that and submit my life to him accordingly, that starts the disciple process, right? Well, then if you follow his disciples in the text, you notice at least four characteristics. There may be more, but there are at least four characteristics that every one of these guys reflected on, on one level or another, and we call we're, we're, not, we're not trying to be cute, we just help want us to remember it. So we're calling it the L4. Right? And so a, a disciple is somebody who learns from Jesus. When these guys would follow Jesus, they wanna know what he has to say. What do you think about this, Jesus, and what about that? And, and tell us about this and teach us that. They, a disciple is someone who wants to know Jesus' mind. There's someone who learns from Jesus. A disciple is someone who, who loves as Jesus. Now, the, the followers of Christ in the New Testament, and we might try to argue culturally here, I don't think we can go down that road, but you never find any of them going into their own home and closing all the doors, and it's just me and the Internet, and that's where I'm going to worship Jesus and grow. Every one of those guys lived in community because you can't be a disciple outside of community. Now, it's a whole lot easier, just me and the Internet, right? I and mean, if it gets angry, with me, I have to just unplug this thing. But, but it's harder to live in community. But a disciple is one who loves as Jesus. A disciple is one who lives as... For Jesus we don't want someone just just learning and somebody who goes to church hangs with people uh, but we want someone who's transformed they live for Jesus their life is being changed from the inside out we're not talking about behavior modification we're talking I love him so much his will is in my heart I'm learning and so my life is changing they live for Jesus and then the fourth thing we see about a, a disciple is they they lead to Jesus I mean, these guys did not go share in their faith because it was a good thing to do. They usually got them killed, but they did this because they couldn't not. not you got to hear about this. Come check this out. Isn't this the one? They led to Jesus. And so what we want to do for the next four weeks, I want you you to picture your spiritual life, kind of, okay? It's it's like a dashboard on the car. And you've got four gauges, each of these. You've got the learn from, and the, the love as, and the live for, and the lead to. You've got four gauges. And so the question, each week we're going to go through one of these, is where's my personal gauge? Is it redlining? Maybe it's doing great. That's that's wonderful. But wh- where's my personal gauge? If the way we're going to make more disciples is by being better disciples, I need to work perhaps to get my gauges where they they need to be. Now, the first one we want to look at this morning is disciples learn from Jesus. And so if you got your Bibles, if you'll turn with me to, I kind have of a unique passage for this, but Psalm chapter one. Psalm one. This is a great, obviously great text. They all are, right? Um, let's read just the, the first two verses. It says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Now, something you need to just keep in mind is this, in the Hebrew Bible, is not Psalm 1. It is the introduction to the Psalms. Stop, think about that for a minute. That's huge. Because that means the, the Holy Spirit here in Psalm 1, has given us a summarization, basically, of the entire Psalter. In one nutshell, six little verses, the Holy Spirit has shared with us what the whole book of Psalms is about. Uh, And I'll I'll go beyond that. I think Psalm 1 is a keystone chapter in the whole Bible. Because if you can get the message of, of Psalm 1, what you understand is you understand a key principle that runs throughout the text of God's will for our lives. So Psalm 1 is just, it's just huge. It says, blessed is the man. I wish we had more time to develop. This is so, such a rich text. Blessed. Um, it means happy. Uh, but not happiness like we understand it. Because your happiness and mine is dependent on external stuff for the most part. If it's sunny out... If I got a raise, if I won the lotto if my health's going well, if my kids are doing well, then you know what? Yeah, I'm happy. I'm happy. I'm happy. But any of those things go go wrong, and my happiness usually goes right with them. Right? That's just, it's my happiness is often dependent on external stuff. But the happiness here is is an internal happiness that all this stuff can shift and change. And it doesn't mean there aren't. Tears and, and weeping, but, but the, the, the joy, the peace is over, overwhelming. This is, Augustine said that when every, any man knocks on the door of a brothel, he's looking for God. I think that this is what everybody's searching for. Now they're looking for it in all kinds of wrong different ways, but this is what they are searching for right here. And God says, This is how you can have this. Blessed. It's the man. Notice, and I'm going to point you out another word, though. He says, uh a man who doesn't walk or stand or sit, hang out with bad people, right? But his delight is in the law of the Lord. You can circle that word delight. Interesting word. And notice what it doesn't say, right? It doesn't say that blessed is the person who doesn't walk or, 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 or stand or, or sit, hang out with, with wicked people. But he reads the word. It doesn't say that, right? Because there's a big difference, huge, between reading and delighting in, correct? I mean, you can be a carnal atheist and read the word, but you're not gonna delight in it. You might mock it, but you're not gonna delight in it. it notice it doesn't say, blessed is the one who doesn't walk or stand or sit with, with bad people, but they memorize the law. And you gotta hear me right, I have nothing against memorization. This this year I memorized 1 Corinthians 13, uh, Isaiah 53, portion out of Colossians 3, um, Psalm 103. I'm all for Bible memorization. It's a great thing. However, if I'm not mistaken, in Matthew chapter 4, Satan comes to Jesus when he's trying to tempt him and quotes some obscure text out of Deuteronomy. Satan, I wonder how much text he has got memorized now, he knows, he's got it memorized, but does he delight in it? Two different things, right? Two, two, two different, they can be two very different things. It doesn't say that. It says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. This, this, this understanding of delighting in God's word, loving God's word, is a key characteristic of a disciple. Just Look, Psalm 119, this is, just, this is all over the place. But, oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. It doesn't sound like the guy is being, oh well, I guess I gotta read the word again. Now look at what he says. Next text. Jeremiah says, Your words were found. This is, our, this is our eat this book text. And I ate them, and your words became for me a joy and the delight of my heart. Look at why. Because I'm called by your name It's normal for those who know him To take joy in his word To make it their, their delight Next text It says more to be desired are they That's the precepts of, of the word of God Than gold Even much fine gold Sweeter also than honey And the drippings of the honeycomb This is way before processed sugar right And so anything honey was sweet He says ah oh, this is sweeter Than that next He says, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth next. He says, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, It's the milk of the word, that by it you may grow up into salvation. Now babies are like, I don't want this lousy milk. They're loving it. They're screaming for it. They need it. They love the deal. That which separates righteous and unrighteous is, is what they love. Please know, it's not an issue. The, the difference between the, the righteous and the unrighteous is not what they do. It's what they love. Because what you love will determine what you do. John 3, 19 it says that, that the light came into the world. You know this. But the man, but people, loved darkness rather than the light. That The difference between righteous and unrighteous is a matter of loves. Because what you love, you're going to do, right? <clears throat> you, you, you have a guy or, or a girl that you, you delight in, right? You're always thinking about them, right? And you're trying to figure out how to be close to them. And, and you're, you're trying to connive and put things together because you got to be by them and you want their paths to accidentally cross and, and you, you need to be with them. And so because you delight in them, you're thinking about them all the time. You want being by them and with them is not a chore. It's what you want. It's what you're trying to do because you delight in them. Meanwhile, contrast that with somebody who's just a pain in the Or You know, they are confusing and they, are, they sap the joy and they are negative. They, they, you don't want to be with such a person. You are trying to avoid such a person. Now, you got the parallel, right? If you delight in the word of God, you don't have to be exhorted to be in the word of God. You've you got to be there. Meanwhile, if you don't delight in it, reality is we could preach 2,000 sermons on all the reasons why you should be in the Bible, but if you don't delight in it, maybe you've got exceptional discipline. But for the most part, you're not going to be there. It's not an issue. I'm too busy. It's not an issue of time. It's, not, it's, it's much more basic. It's an issue of loves. Do you delight in? Because if you delight in it, you'll be there. You might say, well, I, I kind of like the Bible, I think, and uh, delight in love. Mm, I mm, not Sometimes, you know, once in a while, not too often, if we're really honest, not, not I no i i want to but i i don't love I delight in i just not so how can i learn to delight in the word of god that's that's the question that's huge someone answers that question for us how we can learn that if we're going to be uh, Disciples who learn from Jesus. It's got to start not with just straight out, you know, drill sergeant discipline, as much as a delight in His Word. And so let's let's, let's look at it. Just in these two verses, He he nails it for us. First thing you you need to do, you want to learn to delight in the law of God. First thing you have to do is shut down the the spiritual toxins. Okay, shut down the spiritual toxins. He says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of God. Of the wicked, now now we live in a a, a world that is wicked. It is it is anti God, and we're we're not advocating anyone go hang out in a cave. And that's not what the psalmist is, is saying. Uh, but w- what what the psalmist is doing, what 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 this person here has done, this guy who's walking in the council of the wicked, there's a proverb that says, above everything else, guard your heart. For from it flow the wellsprings of life. Well, this guy has decided to not guard his heart. His mind's a sponge, right? Our minds are sponges. And as he walks through life, as he's got all the people talking at him, as he's got all the voices coming at him, he's, he's listening. He's listening. Hmm, I wonder. I'm thinking about this. Wow, huh, makes sense. Hmm, I wonder. He's listening. He's soaking this stuff in. His mind's a sponge, and all these different uh, pipes are kind of wielded into his head, just pouring these toxic messages, unbiblical messages, and he's listening. Hmm, yeah, well, what happens next? Nor stands in the way of sinners. You see the digression. No, these guys put on the brakes. He stopped. This is standing in the way of sinners, in the way of. It's a Hebrewism. It means to... Um, Wear the shoes of somebody, right? It's To walk in their, their their steps, kind of thing. It's it's to be like them. This guy has moved from listening to accepting. Now, maybe he thought he would never get there, but he's he, he's, he's 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 shifted here. You know, I had a buddy one time. My family were a little into health stuff, although I, I cheat sometimes. But anyway. Um, Take vitamins. I had a buddy one time says, oh, vitamins are so useless. You know, all it's going to give you is healthy urine, you know, because you're going to pass this stuff right out. And I said, well, okay, well, you know, sure. Okay, well, listen. So here's a tablet of arsenic. I recommend you take it because don't worry about it because it won't get in your system. you just pass that right through. It won't matter. Reality is it does get in your system, doesn't it? Reality is it does make a difference. And so these folk who are thinking, well, this is not a big issue, and I can just listen and without thinking that they're going, it's going to change them, are so, so uh, deluded in this, in this regard. It's, it's uh, two great verses. Check out these verses. This is, again, this is a principle all over Scripture. Uh, Proverbs thirteen twenty. Uh, I love this verse. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, because the inverse works as well. But the companion of fools will suffer harm. They will. Suffer harm. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, it says, don't be deceived. And whenever you see scripture say, don't be deceived, red flags need to fly because that means I have a propensity to be deceived here. And so when it says, don't be deceived, I should think, well, maybe I am deceived. Bad company will. It's corrupt. It will ruin. Good character. This is Galatians 6. This is one of these big principles all over scripture where he says that don't be deceived. Again, God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that he will reap. And when you sow... Unbiblical worldview stuff. Don't think you're not going to reap it. Of course you will. It's a principle of Scripture. Of course you will. When you're listening to the wrong group at at school or at work or whoever you're, you're hanging with, or the doctor, fill the people on the the, the the TV or those self-help books. You're listening to folk who are p- proclaiming an unbiblical worldview. It will have an impact on you if you think that you can get by without it. You sow. You have an incredible misunderstanding of your own heart, of your own wisdom, of your own innate goodness. Because we think, you know, hey, I'm a discerning person. I've got a wisdom, see, that goes beyond most people. I know, more, but see, that's a gift I've got, and I can figure this out. Well, look at this poor guy. He, he walks, then he stands, then he sits in the seat of scoffers. He sat down for a while, he's moved into the neighborhood. Don't miss this. He's sitting in the seat of scoffers. You get this. He went from listening to now espousing. He listens, he accepts, now he's espousing. He went from listening to the wicked to being the wicked. He's proclaiming, he's mocking, he's belittling, pejorative language against those who once believed what he once believed. He's shifted. Let me just ask, might you be in this category today? Well, you, you, you subjected the sponge, and, and for whatever, forgot to reason, but you did, and, and your mind has been pumped, filled with, with these unbiblical worldview perspectives. And you, you espouse stuff today that you would have never espoused way, way back when, when you were walking close. This is where this guy has genuine happiness, by the way, is going to evade him, won't it? If you, if you think... If, this is important because if you think you can participate in um, conversations that proclaim unbiblical perspective, and if you think you can participate in entertainments that proclaim an unbiblical uh, worldview, and if you you think you can uh, listen to music that has an unbiblical worldview and if you, you you think you can live in this 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 culture where all the messages of her, for everything from doctors to teachers to the of course the media uh, unbiblical worldview if you think you can get through that and that the thing that's going to really solve the day is your heart because you got this great gift of wisdom understand that, that paul says in my flesh dwells no good thing and that in my heart is 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 according to Jeremiah, incredibly wicked and deceptive. You do not have the wherewithal to make it. You just you just don't. Uh, man, I say with a, I was at Moody. Uh, one of the they they encouraged us strongly when I was at Moody to be a part of a a ministry weekly ministry, and this one Gail and myself Cheryl we had a uh, went to this real classy high rise, and. Uh, uh, it was kind of a retirement high-rise. And we were assigned a gal there. And uh, we had to go every week and do whatever she needed us to do. Mop the floors, go shopping, walk dog, just sit and talk with her, whatever she wanted us to do. And I'll call this gal Mabel. Mabel, when you see, see her, you realize she's a woman of class. She's got some really cool jewelry. Uh, she's, got, she's dressed uh, to the nines. You knew that she was a woman of means. Mabel, uh, when you talk with her, she was—I don't know what she did for a, a living—but she was incredibly astute with international affairs and with world financial systems, and she was just very, very with, with philosophy. Just a very intelligent woman could converse in almost any any subject. Um, but but Maple had some goofy things going on. One of the things that, that she did is, is she collected—I think—paper bags. So whenever you went to the grocery store, way back when, you didn't go to Wegmans and get stuff in a plastic, but they didn't deal with the plastic. Everything was paper bags. You Remember this? And so this woman, I think, saved every single paper bag she had ever had in her whole life, and she was like 200 years old, and so there's a lot of paper bags. Now, they were folded nice and neat and stacked. She had a bedroom, I'm kidding you not, just stacked with this stuff. Uh, paper sacks. I'm going, huh. She also collected uh, cereal boxes. Now, she would throw away the plastic thing. Um, and then she would flatten the box nice and neat, and she had eaten cereal three meals a day for the, her whole 200 years of existence. So we had millions of these papers. I'm, I'm serious. There had to be thousands of cereal boxes stacked up. Go huh? And also what she collected was envelopes. I mean, we're talking used envelopes. Every piece of mail, before email, we got a lot of this stuff. She, use a, uh, she'd use a very nice uh, envelope opener, so, so they were very pristine. But Open, just stacked, stacks and stacks and stacks. And if you ever suggested to this woman that maybe we should throw away some of this stuff, she just went bonkers. No, 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 it's important. I might need it. I'm thinking, how are you going to need? But she was sure that this was important, that she might need it. Now, she didn't collect, think on her, she didn't collect, you know, bonds in pornography. She wasn't collecting uh, drug paraphernalia. These were... you, okay, things I guess could be useful things, but in this case they were useless things. They were garbage. She was spending all of her time collecting garbage. I think sometimes we pump into our minds stuff where we're saying it's all right, man. This isn't that bad of a thing, and so we, we, we're just collecting. It has collected over the years all kinds of stuff, and what we need to do is just shut the valve, turn the stuff, get rid of it, declutter our our our. our Sponged minds, our souls, because when we, we hang out in conversation with folk, it, it, the question is not, is this trashy? You know, we, we all know if it's really a trashy conversation, we shouldn't be a part of it, we should walk away. But here's what you need to ask is what's being said or communicated an unbiblical worldview? Have you, you've seen conversations with Christians where there's gossip or hate, or racism, or uh, pride, self, but because it's Christian, it's okay. No, 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 forget it. Forget who it's talking about. Is this unbiblical worldview, perhaps conversations. You live in a world with all kinds of conversations you're part of on a regular basis, Um, and maybe they're not talking about serial killing, but do they have a biblical worldview of men, of women, of sex, of money, of stuff, of time, of entertainment, or are you getting all of this stuff into the sponge, dumped in stuff that is this unbiblical worldview, and you, you listen to music, and maybe it's not you know, verbal pornography. We should, oh, we recognize, shut that stuff down. But is the is the message of it on biblical perspective of life, of, of of love, and we just keep dumping that on in. It's not a big deal. And the games we play, and the TV we watch, and that, and we just just keeps dumping it on in. And then we take itty bitty dropper of Bible. And we think it is a saturated sponge, dripping, it can't hold anything else. It's got it's filled with sex and society and sin. And we eat bee drop, and we think that's going to solve it. And scripture says, no, 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 no. If you want to delight in the word of God, you can't, you can't delight in the word of God. If if you've got the, the, the pipes flowing freely with toxic water spiritually toxic waste into your mind, above all else, guard it. And so maybe for 2017, it's got to start with, I just need to shut some of this stuff down. Again, some things we can't control, conversations going on in the the, the locker room or in the well, my workplace, wherever else, or, uh, I, I, can't, I can't shut some stuff down. But we have lots of control on where we place ourselves, on what we entertain ourselves with. We have that control. So let me just ask you: Are you putting stuff in your mind that will work against a delight in the Word of God? And then, and then he says, "We need to turn off the toxic uh, input, but then also we need to turn up the Word of God." But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on His law he meditates day and night. The word "law" is the ways of God. Now, hear me for just a second. Because when we read the Bible, the goal is not to say, I read the Bible. Okay? The, the goal is not to check the box. I. I I like, someone said, you know, how come your Bible's so big, Mark? Well, I like the white around there, lots of margin, because I write in it all over the place, right? But I'm reminded that that I don't, we we can't do that so that like at my funeral, people look at my Bible and go, wow, look at all of his notes. He was really into the Bible. The goal is not how marked up my Bible is by me, but how marked up I am by my Bible, right? The the goal that we're shooting for with this thing is biblical worldview. The only reason we're in it is biblical worldview. We want to see life through his eyes. We want to see him. Him through his eyes. We want to see ourselves. That's the goal. That's what we're after. And so this guy's delight is in the ways of the Lord. And on his law, he, he meditates. That's thinks about. And how often does he do it? Day and night. That's pretty much all the time, isn't it? Day and night. He's there. He's there because, because he delights in it. This is, now, how do you develop this delight in the word of God? First thing, and this wasn't in the text, but we can make a case for it if you want to. I would say, if you want a deeper love for his word, uh, pray and ask him for it. Can you can you, ma- can you imagine? God's listening prayers. And we pray and we say, God, I don't love your word like I, I should. You know, you know that. But, but, I, but I want to. And probably I don't because I don't see it as you do. I don't see it as a precious treasure. I don't, I think it's irrelevant. I, but I want to love it. I want to see it through your eyes. Would you give me that love? Please, would you rearrange my spiritual taste buds? That I long for your word. I, mean, I don't know if God drops over, <laughs> you know. but that's a prayer. You think he wants to answer? I think he wants to answer that. So we pray. For it. The second thing we do is we, we, we cut off the, the, the toxic stuff we're pumping in that works against that extent that we can. And then number three is we input God's word. Now let me give you some options real quick on this. Practical ideas. How do you input God's word? Um, John Piper is one of the... Uh, I really like Piper. Don't always agree with everything he says. He's kind of in your, your face, but, but I, I, I love Piper. He's a pastor out of Minneapolis. Uh, he's retired now, uh, a scholar, a genius. But one thing you need to know about, about Piper is this guy bleeds the word of God. Now, I've been listening to Piper off and on for, for, for years, but one of the resolutions for 2017 that, that I have is uh, he has started a program, show, whatever, a couple years back, ask Pastor John. And what happens is people will call or write in any question, and he will take between five and, it never goes more than 15 minutes, to answer that question. I mean, questions about everything. Questions about sex and singleness and money and uh, gender identity stuff and how can God repent in Scripture and what does this verse mean? I mean, Scripture, just whatever question you could possibly come up with, many of them culture, society, he answers. And so, so let me throw this out at you. If you're not used to having quiet time stuff, you, 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 your study of God's word, it's, it's something you've always wanted to do. It's just maybe you're used to, it's not there. Let me, let me encourage you to do this. Every morning, uh, take between 5 and 15 minutes, however long this thing takes. Uh, you get on your knees, get a notebook. Don't just listen to it in the car. Get a notebook and pop on a question. Ask Pastor John. And as he talks, take notes. You will remember 80% more of what you take notes on than versus what, just what you hear. You take notes. It's not going to take you very long. i uh, say 5 to 15 minutes. Pray just a couple moments, Lord, help me to... To think biblical, and be done again. My goal, my goal. I love it every morning, but my goal is four times a week. Uh, ask Pastor John. Download it on your your phone. Go to your computer. Uh, go to YouTube. Get it easy enough. So so listen. Second thing is read. I'm going to encourage you to to to. to Partake in reading. I, I forget. I said a number first hour, and I just really I needed to run back to my office and check it between the two. But I forget the amount of hours that it's estimated that the average person watches television a month. But whatever it would be, it's, whatever, it's just astronomical. Well, if we cut that in half and end up with 35 hours uh, uh a month to be able to read. How much could we get read? Let me encourage you. Just once every three months, read, read a book. And here are four books I'm going to give you. I'm not going to give you the book. you got to buy four. Amazon's great. Um, but four books I'm going to suggest. If you're going to read four books, this, let me encourage you to read this. First one, uh, Intimate Moments with the Savior, Ken Geyer. Um, I have gone through tons and tons of devotional guides. I actually, believe it or not, I, I wrote in some published devotional guides. I would not recommend anyone read those. But this one, this blows those away. It starts off with a text. It's a good-sized text. He's got a couple of pages on it that's just profound, um, If you were to read it sincerely looking, it's an excellent book, Intimate Moments with the Savior. Second book, Through the Eyes of a Lion. Levi Lusko is a pastor young guy out of Montana. He had a a daughter who who died and this book is kind of their journey through that. But it's much more than how to deal with hard stuff. This is a call to radical discipleship with, with, with whatever this world throws at you. If you start reading this book, you won't put it down. It's a great book. It's not real thick. Through the Eyes of a Lion, Levi Lusko, let me recommend that you read that third book that uh, you should read is praying with paul um i've read at least two dozen books on prayer and i'm telling you this is the best book i've ever read it's a little bit headier than through the eyes of a lion but i'm going through it right now for my fifth time and what it does is sometimes we pray and we think that any prayers are okay it works well let me ask you maybe you don't pray biblically and so what he does is he takes you through scripture and. Really how to pray. Fascinating, liberating book, uh, Praying with Paul. Fourth book, this is a great book, Habits of Grace. I think this guy is on staff at Piper's Church. At least he's in his congregation. Um, I just started reading this this past, uh, oh my goodness, this is one of the ones I was reading when I was on vacation. So I'm about halfway through, but excellent, excellent book. Deals with so you want to be a disciple kind of thing. Very, very good. So you want to listen, you want to read, let me throw one more thing at you. Perhaps you have devotion, quiet time, devotional time on a regular basis. But 2017 just started and you really haven't gotten into a groove yet. You're not sure what to do and what not to do. And you eat this book reading, it's done, and you're not, what do I do now? Uh, let me encourage you to meditate. Good, asked us to. And this is what you do: get yourself that spiral notebook thing again. Again, you don't do this. Please, it's not like, well, I'm not a journal type of person. If you're in class and the and the teacher's talking, you just kind of sit there, yeah, I'm just not a notes-taking kind of person. No, you're writing this stuff down, and you're asking questions about this, and because you know that there's an exam coming, and you don't want to flunk. You want to know this stuff. It's not enough to say, well, I was in class, so they're going to pass me. No, you need to know this information, and so you got the notebook, because you want to know what that passage, passage says. And so to meditate on it, you're looking at the... Just go through... I'd start with Mark or John, and, and just grab a paragraph. Just don't, you don't have to do this whole... Uh, you know, do the whole chapter kind of thing. Paragraph doesn't matter if you spend the entire year just in Mark or just in John. If you meditate through it, incredible stuff. And the meditation works on questions. And so, all you're doing is you're asking questions. I wonder why he said that word over and over again. And I wonder what he was thinking with this. And what does he mean with that? And this seems like it goes against something else that he said. And you're just asking questions. Back and forth, and it's like a cow chewing his cud on this thing. And you're you're saying, "What's this mean for me?" And so in this journal, what you're, you're looking for certain things. Okay, you're, you're looking for are there any are there any sins in here that it says that I should avoid? Let me write those down. That's pretty clear. Are there any promises? Or are there any are there any commands in here that it says I should I should I should do? Well, I'm gonna write those babies down. Let me while you're while you're looking at it. So what does this text teach me about God? Because I believe every text, maybe not every verse, but every pericope, every literary unit, teaches you something about God. Maybe his values, what he's about, what he likes, what he doesn't like. What does this teach me about, about God? Uh, another question, what does this teach me about me? Because again, I believe every literary unit of Scripture. Was given for a purpose, and the purpose is to correct our messed up thinking or our messed up hearts. And so, you, what is this? What do I have a propensity to do based on this, on this text? You write it out, and then, the most important question, you can't forget this one, is how is my life going to be different today because of this text? What am I going to do or think? Or, and don't worry if you don't nail every single question, but you take this with you through the day. It's, it's the meditating on it day and night. 2017. We want to reach disciples, and like begets like. We're not going to do it unless we are top-of-the-game disciples as much as we can be in this area of learn from Jesus. On your gauge, on your, on your dashboard, where is yours? Learn from Jesus. Are you redlining? It's empty. Where, where are you at? Better question, what are you going to do to improve that? Let's pray.